So good to have you here. In fact, today is no ordinary day here at Thrive. Every Sunday here at Thrive is special, but today is extra special. Today is what we call Kick Off Sunday. Oh, come on, give God a big hand together right now. Praise God. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, welcome to Kick Off Sunday. Welcome to Kickoff Sunday. Why do we call today Kickoff Sunday? It's because whether you know it or not, here at Thrive Church, we actually plan our year according to the school calendar. And so September is a brand new year for us. And today is Kickoff Sunday when we kick off this brand new year together. In just a few minutes, I'm going to be unveiling to you the theme for this brand new year that's going to inform and fuel and empower so much of what we do this coming year. And so I'm so glad you're here, here to join us to kick off a brand new year together. But before I unveil this brand new theme, to all of you. Let's talk about the year that has been. Let's talk about 2020, 2021. What an incredible year we've had together this past year. The theme of our year this past year of 2021 is contagious hope. Everyone say contagious hope. In this year that we called Contagious Hope, we said that we're here not to, to, not to spread and infect people with something called COVID, but we're here to spread and infect people with something called hope. Because how many you know that hope is not just a feeling, hope is a person, his name is Jesus, and we are meant to spread his hope wherever we go. Uh, and that, that was our goal, that was our theme for this coming year. And so our goal is to spread as much hope as we could in as many ways as we could this past year. And praise God, this past year has been an incredible year as a result. For example, this past year, you guys here at Thrive Church, over the course of 2020, 2021, you guys gave more money to more charitable causes here in Canada and around the world than any other year. Uh, you guys gave throughout the year to support 100 orphans in India, uh, to provide orphans who are aged 3 to 17, but 100 of them with a home to stay in, a school to go to, meals to have, a family to be a part of. We did that through Gateway Ministries International, as well as through Zion Faith Ministries. And I think that's worth a good clap. Praise God for that. That's amazing. That's one way we spread hope. In other ways, we had our Bibles for Kenya project last Thanksgiving in October of 2020, where we gave, uh, through your generosity, over 900 Bibles to new believers in Kenya. Uh, we partnered with my friend, Pastor Simon Odiambo in Kenya, uh, to give Bibles, the Word of God, uh, which we believe is our hope, to bring to people who need it. And so that was fantastic as well. Over the past year, we also gave to Union Gospel Mission, especially in the dead of winter when people are on the streets and they don't have clothing that's appropriate for for the weather, they don't have food to eat. We partnered with Union Gospel Mission to provide winter clothing, food, and shelter to people living on the streets of Vancouver. Also, earlier this year, we also gave to the Kuus Crisis Hotline Society, especially in the wake of the news regarding residential schools. We wanted to be part of the solution, and so we actually gave to the Kuus Crisis Hotline Society, which provides a 24/7 crisis hotline support system for Indigenous peoples, uh, so that they can call into that hotline and so you guys gave to that as well. Finally, we gave to the Canadian Red Cross, especially in the wake of the wildfires that spread all across different parts of BC, people losing their homes, people losing their cars, people losing the places where they normally stay, needing shelter, needing food. Uh, we gave to that as well through your generosity. And in fact, the fact is th there was a pandemic going on. People were financially strained this past year. People lost jobs, people lost businesses. And yet nonetheless, in a year as unique and unprecedented as the year that was this last year, you guys gave more than ever before. You were generous more than ever before. We are so proud of you, Thrive Church, and we believe God has used your generosity to spread contagious hope. And would you give God a big hand? Give yourselves a big hand as well. Praise God. Oh, come on. There's more than that. Give God all of your praise in this place right now. Amen. Turn your neighbor and say, thanks for spreading hope. Thanks for spreading hope. That wasn't the only way that we spread hope though. Giving is also a huge part of it, but there's other parts to it as well. Over the past ministry year, the past year of 2020, 2021, we held uh, 110 services. <laughs> 110 services, both online, uh, as well as 14 services on site, which we just recently resumed, uh, all with the goal of pointing people to the hope that is in Jesus Christ. Uh, and that in fact is more important than any material goods we can provide for people. The hope in Jesus is 
everlasting and it's the one that counts the most. And so we're so glad to be doing that for people in Vancouver, greater Vancouver, BC, around Canada and across the world. Praise God for that, 110 services. On top of that, we also provided kids programs, what we call Thrive Kids. And we had that going on every single week for ages three to 12 kids in that range, age range. And so praise God for that. Can you give God a big hand for that? Big thank you to our staff and volunteers who made every week of Thrive Church possible online and now on site as well. Another stat that I love and I'm excited about is that this past ministry year, we saw over 200 recorded decisions from people who received Jesus at our services this past year. Praise God for that. Over 200 people. That is very, very cool. That is fantastic. And in addition to that, our church continued to grow in number. We saw people that we'd never met in person before, that we'd only met online, joining our Thrive Church family. You guys became part of small groups. You guys got baptized. You guys studied at Thrive Disciple School, what we call TDS, and have become an integral part of our Thrive Church community. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you joined us, whether it's on-site or online. We're so glad to have you in our church family. Here's believing the best is yet to come. Amen. On top of that, we had small groups going on week after week. A big thank you to our small group leaders who in a very dedicated way provided safe environments for people to experience community and hope throughout the year, spending time building relationships with one another over Zoom, Facebook, other online platforms. We expanded our online presence here at Thrive. We had different live streams. We had online prayer meetings. We had meet the pastors online. We had the launch of Thrive Facebook community group. Speaking of TDS, we ran four terms of TDS this past year. TDS is is Thrive Disciple School. Levels one and two is all about growing in your relationship with God. And we ran four terms of that, saw more people being discipled through TDS than any year prior. We also launched something called TDS Level Three, which is about embracing your God-given shape. Everyone say, my shape. Every one of us has a God-given shape and it's about learning what that is, discovering it and using it for God's glory. And so overall at TDS, Thrive Disciple School, we had over a hundred people receiving training through TDS levels one, two, and three. I believe that's a record for the year. Let's give God a big hand for that as well. Praise God. That is awesome. Uh, on top of that, books of the Bible that we studied. Okay, get ready. This is a long list, all right? Books of the Bible that we studied together through Pastor JB's daily game time sharing, uh, an email that was, uh, we send you every day at 5 a.m. in the morning uh, is, uh, here we go. Uh, all the books that we studied this past year include Acts, Deuteronomy, Romans, Daniel, Mark, Ruth, Isaiah, Jude, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and First Thessalonians. All right, praise God for that. That's all great. Another one, um, sermon series that we covered this past year. You know, we began the year talking about contagious hope. And then in Thanksgiving in November, we talked about happier you, happier university, learning the secrets to a happier you. We also talked about being financially fit. We had a financially fit series about money management, how to get fit financially. Talked about a series called Heart at Rest, how to find rest for your heart in a restless world. Then we went to a book called Isaiah, a big, big book. You guys remember that one. And that one, we did a series called Waiting for Sunrise, how to find hope through the book of Isaiah. Then we finally capped off the year by looking at a series we just finished last week called Rise Up and Wise Up. We talked about the book of Proverbs and that was a lot of fun and really great content there as well. Finally, on July 18, 2021, it was a history-making day for us here at Thrive because after 70 weeks of meeting exclusively online and only online, we finally got back together again on-site for on-site services again. And here we are as a church, both meeting on-site and online. Let's give God a big hand for all that right now. Praise God. Has it been an incredible year? It's been an incredible year. As challenging as this year has been, as unique as this year has been, it has been an incredibly fruitful year for us here at Thrive. We've grown on so many different levels this past year as you decided to spread contagious hope. A big hand to God and a big thank you to each and every one of you for being part of that whole year. Praise God. Let's give God a big hand one more time for an amazing year of contagious hope. Everyone say contagious hope. Praise God. And we will always have contagious hope for as long as you live, for all your years on earth. We will always have a hope that's contagious that we'll continue to want to spread and infect other people with. But this year is a new year. Today, we are kicking off a brand new year together. And I'm here and super excited to share with you the theme for this brand new year of 2021, 2022. Church, are you guys ready? I said, church, are you guys ready? Here we go. The theme for this brand new year of 2021, 2022 is new heart, new horizons. New heart, new horizons. Oh, come on, give God all of your praise in this place right now. That's right. Everyone say new heart, new horizons. Let me put it to you this way. 
This past year has been like unlike any year we've ever experienced where, you know, because of COVID-19, nations, people all over the world have been clamping down and building these protective shells around ourselves to protect ourselves and other people from something called COVID. Borders were closed, people would quarantine, travel restrictions were in place all over the world. You know, we had wearing, wearing masks here, uh, you know, washing hands more than ever before. We limited in-person contact for all of our activities, all in the name of keeping people safe. And in a way you could even say that this past year, the world got a little bit smaller because of it. But COVID-19 is still a thing that's happening right now. And we still need to be careful about keeping each other safe. But at the same time, I really believe this, is that this coming year, God has new horizons for you to experience. That God made you to break out of your shell. And that doesn't mean we stop wearing masks or we stop following safety protocols. But what that does mean is that this coming year, that I believe God wants us to have a new mentality, a new attitude, and that attitude is saying, I'm not going to live my life in fear. I'm not going to be controlled by fear. I'm not going to be a slave to worry. I'm going to have instead a courageous heart, a heart that is willing to meet new challenges, a heart that's willing to take strategic risks, a heart that's willing to do things that maybe I've never done before, all in the name of giving God glory. And I'm going to tell you this, this way, is that for those of you online, those of you on site, is that every single person here, I believe both as a church family together and for you personally and individually, God has new horizons for you to to experience this coming year. And that could be in the area of your family, in the area of your ministry, in the area of your career, in the area of your attitude and the way you look at life, the way you look at yourself and the way you look at other people. I believe that God doesn't want you to stay the same. He didn't make you to stay in one comfortable bubble all the time, stuck in the same rut, settled for you know, some really comfortable life where you're not really moving forward. No, I believe that God made you to break out of a shell called fear and to experience a new heart and new horizons with him. If you believe that, give God a big hand, a big shout in the place together right now. Amen. And what that means, church, is that this coming year, it's about new heart, new horizons, that you're going to experience God and know him in new ways. You're going to experience his power, his love, his hope, his purpose in your life like never before, that I believe God wants you to grow in the way you love God, the way you love people, the way you love the lost, people who don't know Jesus, you know, the way you look at life, the way that your attitude is from day to day, the way you approach the challenges in your life, the way that you conduct your relationships, the way you, you know, lead your family, the way that you serve God with your life, the way you see your career career, the way you look at your future, is that God, I believe, wants you, you to experience a new heart and with that, new horizons. Turn your neighbor and say, new heart, new horizons. New heart, new horizons. What's a new horizon for you this coming year? A lot of you guys, you already know what that new horizon is. You're getting married this coming year. You're having a baby this coming year. Maybe start a new school, new, new job this coming year. You guys already have a new horizon maybe for some of you. But I think for every single one of us, there's a new horizon that God wants us to experience. And how many of us know you experience a new horizon most of all by having a new heart? by having a heart that's renewed. In fact, if you're going into a new horizon, but your heart is not renewed, you're not gonna make the most of that new horizon. That's why it's called new heart, new horizons. Maybe even right now, you know, you're someone who's completely new to church. If you're here and you're the first time ever in church, you're new, you're coming from a different background, different faith background, we're so glad you're here. We hope you make yourself right at home, find that Thrive Church is a safe place for you. If that's you, I believe that maybe, just maybe this coming year, the new horizon that God has for you is that you would know God on a deeper level that you would have known experience his love, his hope, his purpose for your life in ways you never have before. Maybe you're here and you've been, you know, here and you recently at Thrive or somewhere else, you, you recently received Jesus into your life. You recently asked Jesus to forgive your sins, asked him to your life. I believe that that new horizon for you, that next step is to get baptized. Everyone say baptism. Baptism is not a graduation. Baptism is a beginning. It's a simple next step that we take to say, God, thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins. I know I'm a sinner who needs a savior. I thank Jesus for being that savior. That's all you're saying. And see, baptism could be that very next step that you're gonna be taking this coming year. It's a new horizon. Everyone say a new horizon. Maybe for you, that new horizon has to do with your attitude. Maybe it's something where lately you've just been really stuck in a very unhealthy way of thinking about you, about your life, about your future. And I believe this new year, God wants to challenge your thinking, wants to help you see maybe what you didn't see before, challenge the way you think. Maybe you're in the middle of a long battle right now. Maybe you're battling a health issue. Maybe someone in your life is battling a health issue. Maybe you're in the throes of a long battle in your family right now. Maybe your marriage, or maybe there's a breakdown of a relationship and you're trying to figure that out right now. Maybe there's financial stress going on. Maybe you're battling depression right now. Maybe it's all of those things, all of the above going on right now. I'm here to let you know that this coming year, God wants you to have a new heart as you face that situation. 
that God wants you to have a new heart as you approach that battle, that you're not gonna fight that battle the same way this coming year. You're gonna fight it in a different way with a new attitude, with a renewed heart, because this coming year is about new heart, new horizons. Maybe it's about starting to serve God in ways you never have before. In fact, I'm gonna make a prediction right now that even on this stage and all across this site, all across even online, they're gonna see people starting to do things and serve God in ways that they've never served God before. And it's about new heart, new horizons, amen? It's all those ways that it's new heart, new horizons. Maybe for you, it's about finally pursuing that dream that God has placed on your heart and you've always been timid about it. You've always been hesitant about it. But maybe this coming year is the year when you finally take a step of faith. You take a practical next step to making that dream a reality. Maybe you've always been really self-reliant, always relying on yourself, your own understanding, kind of I'd figure things out, I do it my way. And you're learning today, you're learning this week, you're learning this year to trust God more. That's the new horizon. See, there's so many different ways that you can experience a new heart and new horizons. We can't wait to experience it and go with it with you here at Thrive Church. Praise God, the best is yet to come. It's the year of new hearts, new horizons. Give God a big hand, a big shout. Let's play together right now. Amen. What it's all about, it's about breaking through a shell called fear and reaching new heights with God. How do you do that? How do we reach new horizons? It begins from the inside out. It's not from the outside in, it's from the inside out. And here's the thing, over and over, the Bible speaks about the relationship between your heart and your horizon. Is that if you wanna experience a new horizon, so often it first requires a new heart. Let me give you one example, just one example today. Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 to 28. I know this is not Netflix. This is live. We're live people here on site, here online. Would you help me read this in a big loud voice? Ezekiel 36, verse 26. What does it say? It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. Let me just really quickly, this is not the sermon yet. All right, this is not the sermon yet. Get ready. But this is the thing. Is here Ezekiel, he's a prophet. And many, many years ago, centuries ago, you know, the people of Israel, they are in exile in a place called Babylon. God had already promised that, you know, you know what, you guys have this place, this nation called Israel, this land called Israel, it's your promised land. But if you can't keep my commandments, if you don't do what I say, if you don't listen to me, then one day you're not gonna stay in this land. You're gonna be ousted out of this land. And that's exactly what happens. And so the Israelites are now in Babylon. They're exiles there. They don't really know what to do. And the, the prophet Ezekiel comes to them with a message from God saying, I'm gonna give you a new heart. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. What is that? That is new heart. Everyone say new heart. And with that new heart comes a new horizon. Look at verse 30, verse 28. It says, you will live in the land I gave your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. That's a new horizon. Because they have a new heart, they're gonna be able to experience a new horizon. New heart, new horizon, they go hand in hand. What's the lesson here? If you wanna experience a new horizon this coming year in your life, something first has to happen in your heart. Something new has to happen in your heart. If anything is gonna change on your horizon, it's not gonna happen until something happens in your heart. New heart, new horizon. It begins with recognizing and investing in the things that God is doing in your heart, cooperating with God. And that's the theme of our brand new year, New Heart, New Horizon. Are you excited for this brand new year? We are so excited for this brand new year. We can't wait for all that God has in store. We often say the best is yet to come, but this coming year, it's about not just that, it's about new heart, new horizons. Praise God. We're so excited. And because we wanna keep on reminding you of this theme and the hope that we have in Jesus and that how he's a God of new hearts, new horizons, that we got something very special for you that we've never done here before, but it gives me great pleasure right now. And you wanna get ready, get ready for this. This is really special. Would you get ready right now as we present to all of you our very first Thrive Kickoff t-shirt. Would you give God a big hand? And I'm gonna get out of the way. Here we go, come on. Sure. Let's give all of our, our models a big hand right now. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much. All right, that's great. Thank you, guys. I'm going to ask Paul to, to, to stay with me here because I just want to show something to you. What we got here is our kickoff shirt for this brand new year. And I don't know if you can read this. If you can read it with me, read it with me right now. It says, hope lives here. Hope lives here. Why? It's because hope is not just a feeling. Hope is a person. His name is Jesus. And when you have Jesus in your life, hope lives with you. Turn your name and say, hope lives here. 
Hope lives here. Praise God. And uh, if you turn around, Paul, he's got this, look at this good looking back right here. Look at this. All right. You've got new heart, new horizons. All right. So very, very subtle, very sophisticated. All right. It's new heart, new horizons. Now you can share your faith and look good in the process of doing it. In fact, I was having such a good time watching. I was actually taking a video. I'm going to take a selfie with, the, with, the, with, with Paul right here. Right here. And, and you guys are here. Ready? One, two, three. All right. Get up, get up for Paul. Get up for our models. Get up for a team. Praise God. Praise God. And so, in fact, you can, you can pick up your own Thrive kickoff shirt. Hope lives here later on today at the Welcome Center. They're going to be on sale. You can also pre-order them. I think we actually might have run out as of after, 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 the, after the 9.30 service. Uh, I think we ran out. Perhaps, I don't know, but we have to you know, check at the Welcome Center, right beside the Welcome Center. There's a, there's a stand. We can get those shirts. And uh, let me just show you mine as well. Here we go, just in case you're wondering. Here we go. We, we, we practice what we preach. Look at this. Look at this. Look at that. Look at that. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And so, praise God. Hope lives here. Hope lives at Thrive Church. And the best is yet to come. Welcome, everyone, to New Heart, New Horizons. <laughs> well, here we go. We're going to get into the Word of God right now. And so I'm going to ask you guys to grab your Bibles if you've got one right now. It's time to get that out. Uh, maybe yours is a paper Bible like mine. Maybe yours is a phone you download the Bible into. Either way is cool. And this is just a fun way for us to get our hearts ready for the message right now. And so why don't you hold up like so. And uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. You can point to some, someone, someone's Bible near you. And let's just make this proclamation together in faith as we get into the Word of God together right now. What are we going to say? We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's Word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's going to come in and change my life, and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to, scroll to, flip to, press Psalm 73. Psalm 73. We're going to look at the book of Psalms today. Look at Psalm 73 right in the middle of your Bible. It is so good to have you here. Uh, balcony, it's great to have you guys here. Uh, first floor, good to have you here. Online friends, great to have you here. I'm so excited because today, as we end off our service with the little short time that we have, I get to share with you a message that's going to be all about what we've been talking about just now, our new theme for this brand new year, New Heart, New Horizons. And the message I'm here to share with you today is called God's Presence for a New Horizon. God's presence for a new horizon. Turn your and say, get ready for a new horizon. Get ready for a new horizon. See, I want to end today by sharing with you one key to experiencing a new heart and a new horizon in your life this coming year. There's so many keys that we can unpack and we will unpack them over the next many weeks, over this coming year. When we talk about how do you experience a new heart, new horizon, there's not just one key, one approach, one strategy, but there are many. But today I wanna to talk about one of the most important ones. I wanna talk about God's presence, the presence of God. Psalm 73, speaking of new heart, new horizons, you're gonna find that when we read Psalm 73 together, that the word heart comes up over and over again. It comes up six times in this Psalm, Psalm 73. You've maybe read this Psalm before. And see this, this thing. You got to understand what the Bible means when it talks about heart, because the Bible's concept of heart is not quite the same as the way that we think of heart. When we talk about heart, we think of, you know, emoji, you know, this is how I feel, this red heart thing that I get, you know, Valentine's Day, that's the heart. But see, in, when it comes to the Bible, the understanding of heart is a little bit different, is that the heart is not just your emotional center, it's also your spiritual center. The heart is not just your, your feelings, but it's your intellect, it's your will, it's the way you make decisions, it's the way you process things, it's your spirit as well. It's all those things rolled into one. It's the core of who you are. That's why Proverbs 4, 23 says it this way. It says, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. It's the idea that everything flows from your heart, amen. And so that's why it's so important to take good care of your heart. The condition of your heart affects the limit of your horizon. That's why taking good care of your heart is so very important. And today we're going to look at Psalm 73, where a guy called Asaph, everyone say Asaph. Asaph, he is one of the prolific writers of songs in the book of Psalms. And he's going to tell us about a heart problem that he has. He's going to be very real and transparent with all of us about some of the problems he experienced in his heart and his outlook in life, which kept him at a very limited horizon. And he's going to share with us his experience and how he got out of that. Psalm 73, this is not Netflix, this is you know, real life. And so let's read out loud in a big, loud voice. Psalm 73, verse one, help me preach this place. One, two, three, it says, surely God is good to 
Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Drop down to verse 11. It says, they say, how can God know? Does the most high have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree, they increase in wealth. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long, I have been plagued. I've been punished every morning. So we're gonna stop right there. See what's going on. Psalm 73, by, by the way, you guys read great, by the way. That, that, that helps me so much when you guys do that. That's fantastic, you guys are great. Uh, see, here's the thing. Psalm 73 is Asaph sharing a heart struggle that he had. Have you ever been in a situation like this where you find yourself stuck in a really unhealthy way of thinking? stuck in a really unhealthy way of thinking, which affects the way you live, it affects the way you relate to people, it affects the way you make decisions, and you just feel like you're getting nowhere as a result of that unhealthy way of thinking, that's a staff situation. You know, in a staff situation, maybe in your situation, it's one of the just constantly complaining, frustrated so often, feeling hopeless so often, really negative about your situation, feeling like life is meaningless, like what's the point in doing any of this anymore? Thinking that maybe you chose the wrong path, thinking that, man, I should have gone this way instead of that way, regretting certain decisions that you made, feeling stuck because you don't know what else to do. You don't know how you're gonna ever see hope at the end of all of this. That was Asaph's problem. Maybe that's your issue today as well. And see, Asaph, he was struck. He was stuck in a struggle. And that struggle in particular had to do with something called envy. And see, envying others can be a really damaging thing. And that was Asaph's struggle. He was like, you know what? I look at other people who seem to just be doing whatever they want and they seem to be going fine. Life seems good for them. Why is it so hard for me? Why is life so unfair? Why is it so easy for them, so hard for me? Why should I even bother trying to live a life that honors God? Why even bother? That was his horizon. He was stuck at that horizon because that was the condition of his heart. New heart, new horizon. And see, verse two says this. He's very real with what's going on. He says, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. See, Asaph, he's finding it difficult to celebrate other people's wins, to celebrate other people's joy and success. Oh, you're engaged. Congratulations. That's great. Oh, you got a new house. Fantastic. I'm so, so happy for you. Oh, goodness, when's my turn? Oh, you got a new job promoted? That is great. Congratulations. God bless you. When is it my turn? Have you ever felt that way before? Tired of acknowledging other people's wins and going, when is it my turn? When can I get a win? When can some of it come to me? No, you got, no, they got money. I didn't get money. They got the opportunity. I didn't get the money. They, 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 they got the opportunity. They, I didn't get it. You know, they, they got, you know, they got the looks, they got the talents. I didn't get it. And, and see, that was Asaf's problem. He just kept on comparing himself to others. And see, Asaf found it so difficult to live life at that time. He says, in verse 13, he says, surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long, I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. See, he's not having a good time in life right now. See, Asaf, he's like, oh my goodness, why do I even bother trying to do the right thing when life is this way? It's so unfair. What's going on? And see, something happens. Fortunately, Asaf doesn't stay at that horizon. He would experience a new horizon. But what was the turning point that got him there? We're gonna look at it right now. Verse 16, read it with me. What does he say? He says, when I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Stop right there. It was oppressive to you. What does that mean? In other words, when I tried to understand all this, when I tried to live life this way, when I tried to think this way about life, when I had this kind of mentality where I'm just keep on comparing myself to others, thinking life is so unfair, it was oppressive to me. In other words, it didn't help me, it hurt me. That kind of thinking was not my friend, it was my bully. It was an unhealthy way of thinking that caused him to be stuck getting nowhere. And he suddenly, he started to realize that, yeah, this is not helping me. And then he says this in verse 17, till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood then I understood the final destiny. Could you underline these words? You've got your Bible in front of you. I encourage you to have a pen handy, highlighter, maybe on your phone, highlight this. Verse 17, till I entered the sanctuary of God. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. See, what is the sanctuary of God? The sanctuary of God is the presence of God. The sanctuary of God is the house of God. The sanctuary of God is where God is. And see, Asaph is saying this, is that all this time I've been struggling in this area of my heart, envying, jealousy, all that stuff. And I've been having a tough time. It's been oppressive to me until I got into the presence of God and then things started to change. Until I got into the sanctuary of God and started to see things in a different way. See, what was the turning point for Asaph where he started to gain a new heart and start to see a new horizon? It's when he entered the presence of God. 
See, Psalm 73, 18, he writes this. He says, surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasy. See, all of a sudden he gets this epiphany, this revelation, this realization that all of a sudden, man, those people that I would envy, and think so highly of, and think, oh man, why can't it be more like them? And they think, oh man, why can't my life be like theirs? Actually, they're the ones who are lost. And they're the ones who need God. Instead of envying them, I need to be praying for them. And he realizes something, which is that when he comes in the presence of God, he realizes that, you know what? Actually, he's living a much more blessed life than he thought. And that maybe it was so silly for him to be envying those people. And that maybe his thinking wasn't so right after all. He starts to experience a new heart. And it happens when he gets into the presence of God. Everyone say the presence of God. He was stuck in this unhealthy way of thinking. And now when he enters the presence of God, he starts to see things a little bit more clearly. Look at verse 23. It says this. He says, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. You know, there's a song we used to sing when I was in high school. Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth I desire besides you. What's it talking about? It's talking about the treasure of having a relationship with God and how that treasure is more precious than any other treasure. And it's when he got into the presence of God that the staff started to realize that, you know what? I've got this treasure. And this treasure is more important than any other treasure that I have. And in verse 26, he says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You and I will fail often. I fail all the time, every single day. I was just you know, sharing with a friend the other day, like, and he was saying, you know, every day I fail. Every day I fail as a husband. Every day I fail as a father. Every day I'm not meeting God's standards. I'm not even my own standards. He's saying that, but, but he's saying that, but because I've got God in my life, there's hope. Because I got God in my life, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Because of Jesus, you always have hope. Amen? Amen. And see, here's the thing. What happened to Asaph? Asaph experienced a new heart when he came to the presence of God. And there's a lesson for us in this, and you write this down. There is something about the presence of God that helps you to experience a new heart, which in turn leads you to a new horizon. New heart, new horizon, presence of God. Right? What is it about the presence of God that helps you develop a new heart? Let me give you a few reasons why that is. Four truths about the presence of God. Number one, write this down. The presence of God reminds us of what's most important. Don't you find that? I find that sometimes, you know, we can be so caught up in ourselves and thinking that life all revolves around me, my feelings, my anger, my bitterness, you know, you know, my agenda, my future, all just worried about me, 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 me. And then you enter in the presence of God, whether it's in church or it's your own time with God in prayer, and you realize something. Actually, it's not about me. It's about someone much, much bigger than me. God is the center of the universe. I am not. That's what the presence of God does in our lives. It reminds us of what's most important. Amen. That's the first thing that the presence of God does. Number two, the presence of God reminds us of who is most powerful. See, when you get in the presence of God, you can't help but realize, oh man, maybe the, my problem is not the biggest thing here. Maybe the God I'm worshiping is the biggest one here. You know, that's the thing. We can sometimes be so caught up in our problems, so caught up in our worries that we think there's nothing bigger than what I'm facing right now. Well, no, that's not true. The fact is you have a God above you who is far bigger than any challenge you will ever face. Amen? Amen. And so you don't have to worry so much. You don't have to panic so much. You have someone who's far bigger than the problem. The mountain is nothing compared to the mountain mover. And the presence of God helps us to realize that, that you have someone on your side who is much more powerful. That's the second thing about the presence of God. Number three, the presence of God is full of peace. You know, in this world, sometimes it's tough to find peace. You can go, you know, online and try to find peace, and you're not going to find it. You can go to friends and try to find peace, and you're not going to find it. You can go to different substances, try to find peace, and you're not going to find it. You can go to different vacations, try to find peace, and you're not going to find it. See, there's a peace that passes understanding that the world cannot give, but that God gives. Because in the presence of God, there is peace. Uh, I can remember this one story just very, very recently. This, this is really just very, very, like super recent. I just heard this a few days ago. Uh, you know, in our small group, uh, you know, we have one, one friend of ours who just very recently went to a routine, uh, you know, eye checkup. And uh, she did the eye checkup. It's just a normal appointment checkup. And then they noticed something. The, the doctors noticed something. Like, oh, my goodness. Um, I think we need you to see a specialist. And uh, this, go, go to the specialist. And the specialist goes, I th- oh, I, th- I think you need to get surgery. And um, she was like, what? And, and it was like this very sudden, unexpected news that she received. 
and they scheduled the surgery. You know, it was quick that they scheduled it for. And, and she was like, what is going on? And, and, and she was really worried. She's like, what's going on? She, she started to, to like talk to different doctors, her own doctor, other doctors, doctors overseas, doctors in the US, doctors here, her surgeon, she called it, she kept, 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 on, kept on, she got their number on speed dial. And she's just like calling them all the time, kind of like really worried, like what is going on? And she is so worried. So she's calling everybody she can to find some solace, some peace. And then she says, it's none of those conversations really calmed me down. Have you ever done that before? You're like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? But then something happens earlier this week. She's in the washroom. This is days before her surgery. And as she's in the washroom and she's kind of just in her worry, she hears a calm voice speaking to her saying, I'm your heavenly father. I'm with you. Don't worry. And you know what? She said this, that one word from God meant more to her than every other conversation she had with every other healthcare professional. It's like those things couldn't calm her down, but the one word from God, I'm your heavenly father, I'm with you, do not worry. That gave her strength to face what was going on. That gave her peace that passes understanding. All of a sudden she felt like, I can breathe again. And see, that's the power of the presence of God. The presence of God is full of peace. It's a peace that we can't fully explain. It's a peace we can't fully understand, but it's a peace that you can experience when you give your burdens to God, amen? That's the power of the presence of God. Turn to him and say, God's, power, God's presence is powerful. God's presence is powerful. Are you with me in this place, church? Yeah. Number four, the presence of God is positive and forward thinking. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. Right? That's, that's the song that we sing. It comes from the Psalms. There's fullness of joy in the presence of God because God's presence is powerful. It's positive. It's forward thinking. And, and see, that's the thing. God is the God of hope. And it's one of the things where you, when you get into God's presence, you can't help but feel a little bit more joy and a little bit more hope for your life because that's who God is, amen? Every person, people you know, in your family, in your home, your friends, they all exude a certain atmosphere about them. Some people are really worried and the more you spend time with that person, talking to that person, you get more worried. Some people are really gossipy. The more they, they talk about other people, they're like, oh my goodness, I feel like I have to get, like, take a shower right now. Like for some people, they're just very complainy. They're just like always you know, bitter and judgy and grudgy and complaining about this and that. And you're like, oh my goodness, this is really... But you know what? God is not like that. God's presence is full of joy. He is a God of hope. And the more you get in God's presence, the more joy and hope you experience in life as well, regardless of what you are feeling. And see, not only is God's presence positive, but it's forward moving. Do you know that? God's presence doesn't just stay in one place, but the Bible says that God's presence goes with you. God's presence goes ahead of you. God goes before you such that you will never go anywhere where God is not already. He goes ahead of you. And that's why you can go into whatever situation you're in right now, an exam coming up, you know, like, you know, some kind of surgery, some kind of operation, some kind of uncertainty, and know that God is with you. His presence is with you because the presence of God is positive and forward moving. Amen. 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 And see, that's the presence of God. At least the God of the Bible, that's the presence of God. Powerful, peaceful, positive, forward moving. And that's why Asaph says at verse 28, he ends his Psalm 73 by saying this, read it with me. He says, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. See what's going on. What's the lesson here? If you want to experience a new heart like Asaph did, make the presence of God your priority. Could you imagine if Asaph never got in the presence of God, never entered the sanctuary of God? He might've lost his life. He might've lost it either literally or just like philosophically, purpose-wise, just lost it. But because he got into the sanctuary of God, it gave him hope for tomorrow. And that's in the same way for you. If you want to experience a new horizon and a new heart with it this coming year, make the presence of God your priority. For those of you here who are here for the, at church for the first time, so glad that you're here. Hope you find that Thrive is a safe place and hope you keep on coming because every person needs a family, a spiritual family included. I encourage you to keep on coming and spending time in the sanctuary of God, the house of God, the presence of God. Right? For those of you here who maybe you're used to coming to church on Sundays, but you're not part of a small group yet, I highly encourage you to get part of a small group. What's a small group? A small group is, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve plus people that meet together and they will, you know, we share our highs and our lows. You know, we, we talk about what we learned in the sermon. We're encouraging, you know, we're supportive. We listen, we pray for one another, we laugh together, we eat together, we hang out together, we do life together because you weren't made to do life alone as a follower of Jesus. You were made to do it with others. And so I highly encourage you to make that part of your daily and weekly routine about spending time with God, spending time in his presence. Amen. 
And I, I could tell you so many stories, so many stories of people in our church whose lives have been changed because of the presence of God. How because of the presence of God, they gain a new understanding, a new heart, a new perspective, a new outlook, a new attitude, a new approach in life. But see, let me just share one with you today. Well, look, I, I've got so many I could share about from my own life, like how the presence of God gave me the courage to finally propose to my girlfriend called Charlene, right? All right. Uh, and, uh, you know, praise God for the presence of God, man. You know, another one, you know, presence of God finally gave us the courage to take some big steps that we'd never taken before, whether it was, you know, whether it's, you know, finally taking a step toward becoming a pastor, a dream I'd had in my heart for a while, but never took a step forward. It was the presence of God that helped with that. Or it's, you know, moving to another country, spending years there, or, you know, you know even planting Thrive Church. It was one of those things where you need the presence of God to help you experience a new heart to give you a new horizon. And see, let me just share one with you that some of you guys have heard, but some of you guys haven't, because there's so many people who've come through Thrive Church now and are part of our church family that weren't here a year ago. And I think the last time I shared this was in, uh, let's see, I think it was maybe August, 2020. The last time before that was November 11, 2018. I keep track of these things, all right? So here, let me, let me share it with you all. And I'm sure, especially with those of you who've never heard it before. Last week, uh, my, my son, Bradley and I, we were going to a concert in Chinatown. It was the Light Up Chinatown Festival and someone very dear to us was doing a concert in Chinatown. Um, and so we decided to go see them, give them our moral support, all that stuff. And we're walking on the sidewalk. And I'm like, man, like this sidewalk looks really familiar. Like, I feel like I've been here before because we don't go to Chinatown often. And I'm, I'm on the sidewalk with my son, Bradley. And then I look across the street. And I'm like, oh my goodness. See, many, many years ago, when I was a kid, when I was my son's age, my dad would take me to Chinatown to get a haircut. I'm not sure if you thought that, you know, Chinatown had the best barbers or the cheapest barbers or both. You're allowed to laugh at that. You know, praise God. Uh, I'm Chinese myself. And, and the thing is that, um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, he would take me there. And I can remember every single time I go into the barbershop, you know, the, the bell would ring, you know, those bells, really old fashioned. You know, it's got the, like the red, blue, uh, you know, the red, blue, white, you know, like swivel thing thing. And you go in, ding, ding, ding. And, and I, I go in and every time without fail, there'd be one of the barbers there. And uh, he would, he always have one eye closed. I'm not sure why, but he had one eye, and, and he would, which is weird for a barber, but like, like he, he would turn around, he'd look at me and go in Mandarin, he'd go, ah, Xiaopang! <laughs> and, and if you're wondering, I don't, what, what does Xiaopang mean? I don't speak Mandarin. Don't, 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 don't be afraid. I, I don't speak Mandarin either. I didn't at least at that time. And it's like, it's like Xiaopang, if you wonder what Xiaopang means, Xiaopang means small fat boy, all right? Hey, Xiaopang, 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 Xiaopang. That, that, that's, that's how he would talk to me. And, um, and you know, of course, n- n- not, not meaning anything mean by that. Just, just, you know, that's just how Chinese people do it sometimes. And so, you know, and so he, he was like, Xiaopang, Xiaopang. And, and um, you know, I, I, I'm walking down. I, I get my bowl cut. You know, he puts the bowl there uh, or equivalent to that. And I'm walking down the sidewalk with my dad, the same sidewalk. And I'm like, Dad, like he keeps calling me Xiaopang. What does Xiaopang mean? Um, and my dad was a little bit kind of hesitant to reveal to me what Xiaopang means, right? So he's like thinking a lot. He's, he's usually very quick, but like for some, he's, he waited a long time. And he's like, uh, Xiaopang means, um, Xiaopang means, uh, Xiaopang means you're very handsome, all right? It means you're very handsome, all right? Oh yeah, and and then, and I, I I so next time I go to the barber shop and the barber guy, the one eyed barber, he 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 turns around, and goes, hey Xiaopang! I'm like, oh thank you very much, thank you. You too. You also are Xiaopang, right? That, that, that's what I'd say. And, and it's because I had no clue, and the fact is I didn't care. Because at that time, you know, I'm 10, 11 years old, and I didn't care how I looked. I just kind of I cared about hanging out with my sister, playing with my friends, playing video games, eating. I love to eat. But it was one of those things where as I got into adolescence, as I became a teenager, as I went into, you know, high school, you know, 15, 16 years old, I started to care more and more about how I looked uh, to the point where sometimes I look at myself in the mirror and I'll be like, I really don't like what I see. And so I decided, you know, what, I need to do something about that. And so I decided I'm going to exercise a lot more. I'm going to eat healthy from now on. And so every day after school, what I would do is after school, I'd come home. And the first thing I would do is I'd run out of the house and I'd run for about one to two hours outside. And, you know, when I got tired of one neighborhood, I'd go to another neighborhood. I actually saw a lot of Vancouver during my adolescent years. <laughs> saw a ton of them. And I also ate really healthy. You know, never ate any chips or fries. It's always like watermelon, vegetables, thinking that those things are what I need. And if you were to take all of my high school books, all my high school album photos, and you go back to back to back to back, and you kind of do like a flip book, you would see this guy getting skinnier and skinnier and skinnier and skinnier, kind of like shrinking. And if you asked me back then, I'd be like, you know what? I kind of like the way I look. I'd look at my, myself in the mirror and go, oh, 
not bad, you know. And um, funny because externally it was one of those things where I was feeling better and better about myself and the way I looked. But internally, in my heart, something was kind of messed up going on, which is that whenever I go through a day when I didn't eat healthy, whenever I go through a day when I didn't run and exercise, there will be this overwhelming sense of guilt, shame, anxiety, panic, inferiority that would just overwhelm me. Sometimes like 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, I'd want to get up and start running right there and then because I just couldn't stand it. I just couldn't, it was just so, I felt so uncomfortable in that. And, and for, for, for years, I was stuck in that place. No one knew about it except for one friend. And, and, and you know, th- that, that friend, he one day comes up to me, he goes, dude, like, do you want to do something about this? Because this is not healthy. Like, and I knew it too. It was like my happiness was all of a sudden built around stuff like how thin does my face feel today? Or how much fat can I pinch off of my side today? Or did I run today? Or did I eat healthy today? Like, how much did I weigh on the scale? It's like all of a sudden, I could go up and down, like elated to depressed, all within a 24-hour period, just based on these petty little things. And it bothered me, but I didn't know what else to do. My friend was like, do you want to do something about this? Like, this isn't healthy, man. And so I was like, what do you want me to do? And, you know, he, he was a Christian. I was a Christian at the time as well. And he said, like, why, why don't you fast and pray about this? And, and he said, let me just stop right there and just quick time out here. Because you might be like, well, like, Ben, you were a Christian by then? Well, let me, tell you this, let me put it to you this way. The most amazing thing you could ever do with God is to ask Jesus Christ into your life to forgive your sins. Most amazing thing you could do. The Bible says when you do that, you're forgiven of your sins. Not because of your resume or your goodness, but because God is good. He loves you with an unconditional love. And the Bible says that that is called salvation. Your sins are forgiven. You're forgiven. You're a child of God. You have a relationship with God. That salvation is a gift that God gives you. It's not one that you earn and it's instant. It's instantaneous. It happens once and you're good to go. But that's salvation. There's other thing called sanctification. And what is sanctification? Sanctification is everything after salvation. It's how you grow more like Jesus in your character, your attitude, your values, your habits, the way you speak, the way you relate to others, the way you live your life. That is called sanctification. How many of us know sanctification doesn't happen instantly? It's not a one-shot deal. And it also isn't free. You actually have to work at it too. In fact, it's you working with God to be sanctified. You cooperating with God. You go, not you by yourself, but you together with God. Not just God by himself, but you together with God. You guys working together to grow more and more like Jesus. And every single one of us, we have areas where we need to be sanctified. Maybe in the way we use our words or the way we think or the way we have some of our habits, the way that they are. I had this one area among other areas where I really needed sanctification. And, and it's, you know, sanctification is a lifelong process. It's not one time. And so my, my friend is like, do you want to fast and pray about this? When I heard fast, I was like, yeah, I'll fast. I can lose more weight that way. And he's like, no, no, no. I said, fast and pray. Could you fast and pray? I was like, okay. And I've never really fasted and prayed before. So I decided it was the summer after grade 12. And I am working at this office doing this desk job. And uh, I decide that for one week, I'm going to fast and pray. And what's going to happen is that at lunch hour of every day, Monday to Friday, I'm going to not eat, but instead I'm going to go to the lunchroom. I'm going to open my Bible. I'm going to try to read it. I'm going to try to pray. And I didn't really know what was going to happen. I thought maybe something would happen. I'm not really sure. I remember Monday came, first day of the fast. I go to the lunchroom. I open my Bible. I read. I pray. But nothing really dramatic happens. Nothing. Second day, I go to the lunchroom, open my Bible, read, pray. Nothing really happens. Third day, same thing. Fourth day, same thing. Fifth day, last day of the fast. I'm in the lunchroom, I'm open my Bible, I'm reading, I'm praying, nothing happens. And like, okay, well, I guess that really helped. <laughs> I guess maybe not, but I, I went to my desk and for the rest of the afternoon, I'm just working away at these documents. And uh, I'm not really sure why this happened, but as I'm working away at these documents, there's a sense in me, like a voice inside me saying, JB, go into the washroom and look at yourself in the mirror. JB, go into the washroom and look at yourself in the mirror. And like, I'm like, what is that? I'm just like, my, my, blood, my, my blood sugar's low. I'm probably hallucinating. Let's just ignore that and let's just keep on working. So I'm just, I'm just going, working away, working away, working away. That's about maybe 1.32 o'clock in the afternoon. But as every half hour went by, this sense in me, JB, go into the washroom, look at yourself in the mirror, got stronger and stronger and stronger to the point where it was like almost overwhelming. And no matter how much I pushed away, I just couldn't shake it off of me. So finally, about 4.30 p.m., at near the end of the workday, I put my pen down. I'm like, okay, fine. 
all right, I'm going to go to the washroom. We have one of those shared office kind of arrangements where there's a washroom that's kind of shared by all the offices. So I go out of the office, go into the hallway, and I open the door to this one washroom, and no one's in there. I go in there. I go into the washroom, and I just do this very simple thing. I go up to the mirror and look at myself in the mirror. And I don't know why this happened. But as I'm looking at myself in the mirror, the same voice that was telling me, JB, go and look yourself in the mirror, was saying to me at that moment, JB, from the, from the time you were born to all those years when you thought you were so fat and chubby and ugly and all that stuff, to all those years when you lost all that weight, all the way till now, I've never stopped loving you. My love for you has never changed. And you know, I've heard that in church before. God's love is unchanging. God loves you unconditionally. I heard that before. But for some reason on that day, as I'm looking at my own image in the mirror, with so many different feelings I've had about that image over the years, and God saying to me, my love for you has never changed. It broke me in a way that had never broken me before, where I started to cry. And it wasn't just a simple, it wasn't one of those, it was, it was a big cry. It was like, I was crying, 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 crying. Thank God no one else came to the washroom at that time. And you know what? It was one of those things where I don't know why that all happened that way. I believe that that was a God thing, obviously. I believe that, you know, giving room to God makes a difference. But I can tell you this, is that the next day, if I went through a day when I didn't run or didn't exercise or didn't eat healthy, all of a sudden, that sense of overwhelming guilt, shame, regret, panic, anxiety, inferiority was no longer there. It's like there was like this burden that had been lifted off of me. It was like, I would equate it to like, like chains had come off. Scales had fallen off. Like something, had, something tangibly had changed. And it's one of those things where when I experienced the presence of God in a way I could not explain, it gave me a new heart and helped me see a new horizon such that I could live life and just be myself, I could eat and I could exercise, I can do all those things and it's all good. And I'm not here not, not, not to bash exercise. I love to exercise. I still do this. I'm not here to bash healthy eating. I think we all need to do that. We all need to take care of our bodies. But the point is this, is God never made you and for me to have a heart and a horizon where it's all dependent on what we do, where our happiness, our worth is dependent on these petty little things. But he made us to have a heart to know that God loves you unconditionally. He loves you with an unconditional love, that you are God's masterpiece. No matter what it is that's been in your past, no matter what season of life you've been in, no matter what you think of yourself, God thinks the world of you. He thinks the world of you. He thinks the world of you so much that the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And it's one of those things where the personal, unchanging, unconditional, limitless love of God invaded my life in a way, invades the wrong word because I invited him. You can't, you can't invade, you have to let him in. I let him in and it changed my life in a way that's been this way ever since, such that whenever I'm tempted to really focus on my appearance or really focus, oh, did I exercise the, the truth of God's word that I'm a masterpiece who's loved just the way I am comes in its place, takes its stand and I have a new horizon as a result, amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are God's masterpiece. Turn to someone else behind you, tell them you are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. You are loved just the way you are. Can you give God a big hand in this place right now? Amen. And so for those of you who are here and you sometimes question your worth, you question how much you're loved. You question how much you matter to anyone. You question whether you can really be happy looking the way you do or you know, just the way that you are. Can I tell you this? God loves you with an unconditional love. And all throughout your life, through every season of your life, God has never stopped loving you. You are his masterpiece. He loves you just the way you are. And he made you for a new heart and new horizon. And you know, I, I'm here to let you know all this because the presence of God can lead you to a new heart which in turn brings about that new horizon. Final question for you today. How much do you prioritize the presence of God in your life? How much do you prioritize God's presence in your life? Do you spend time with him? I wanna encourage you this coming year, make the presence of God your priority. That means that a regular dose of the presence of God enters your life and helps make you a new person on the inside.
makes your heart new again. That means making church your priority. Come here, we'd love to see you here. Spending time in God's presence together, it changes our heart. Spending time with God every day, reading the Bible, learning to pray. Praying with others, small group. If you're not really sure how to do these things, we're here to help you. That's why we have something called Thrive Disciple School. Next one starting October. You can sign up for that even now. Go to mythought.info to do that, to help you grow in your relationship with God so you know how to spend time in God's presence and experience His presence in your life. Because here's the thing, the only reason why we can even have the presence of God is because of Jesus. It's only because Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. God is holy, we are not. God is perfect, we are not. The Bible says that because of our sin, we can't have anything to do with God. Not now, not forever. We are separated from God forever because of our sin, our rebellion against God. But because God loves us, not based on what you do, but based on who he is. The Bible says God is love. God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be brought back to God. And not only did Jesus die on the cross for our sins, but he rose again from the grave to show that you can trust every word, every word that Jesus says. And when you do, life changes. When you do, you experience his presence. When you do, a new heart is possible. Is that you now have the hope of eternity in your heart. You now have this this contagious hope you can share with others. You now have the ability to get up after a fall. It's all because of Jesus. Don't you love Jesus in this place? Would you give Jesus a big hand and a big shout because that's all about him, amen. I say, would you give Jesus a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now, amen. And so I just want to end today by giving you an opportunity to experience and invite his love into your life, especially as we begin a brand new year of new heart and new horizons. Since a new heart and a new horizon requires the presence of God, I want to encourage you to end with the presence of God right now. Would you stand before God right now? Wherever you are, online, on site, first floor, balcony, would you stand before God right now? And I just want to start by saying for those of you who are here and you're new to church and you're kind of really sure, like not really sure, what do I do now? Like, what do I do now about this? I want to tell you the best thing you can do is to pray to ask Jesus Christ into your life to forgive you of your sins. And it's the most powerful thing you can do. And so that you're not doing alone, I'm going to do this with you. What we're going to do is if you want to pray a prayer to ask Jesus into your life, then you can do a couple things. One is you can scan that QR code that's on your screen. You can do that, or you can go to mythought.info and press the button that says, I want to ask Jesus into my life. It's going to take you to a prayer page, a page with a simple prayer on it that we're going to pray together. Just as a simple way for us to invite Jesus Christ to forgive our sins. If you pray this prayer before, I encourage you to pray it with those who've never prayed it before, so they know they're not alone on this one, because they aren't. And so for those of you who need to do that, I encourage you to do that right now. Scan that code, click that link in your chat room, go to mythought.info, press the button, I want to ask Jesus into my life. And we're just going to pray this prayer together right now. Just do it with an open heart, a humble heart. It's not about what your neighbor's doing, it's between you and God. Why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? Say, dear Jesus, thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you, please forgive me of all my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust not in me, not in what I do, but in you and what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, the Bible says if you pray that prayer and you meant that prayer, that you are forgiven of your sins, that you are a child of God, that by his Holy Spirit, the presence of God is now in your life, that God by his Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. That doesn't mean you're God. That's not, you're not God, but you have the presence of God in your life, such that you have a relationship with God that no one and nothing can take away from you. And so big congratulations to those who prayed that prayer just now. Could you give them a big hand right now? Both on site, online, praise God. Oh, could you do it like you mean it? Would you give God some praise in this place right now? Amen. And in fact, we've got some special gifts to give to those who prayed that prayer just now. Uh, what you can do is you can go to the bottom of that page with that prayer you prayed, and it'll link you up to some gifts we want to give to you. And on top of that, we want to encourage you to keep coming to church, because every baby needs a family to grow up in. We'd love to be your spiritual family. On top of that, we'd love to get you, encourage you to get baptized. Baptism is not a graduation. Baptism is a beginning. It's you simply saying, I need a Savior. His name is Jesus. I thank Jesus for dying on the cross for me. Go to mythought.info for more information on baptism. We'd love to help you with that. Finally, want to pray for those of you who realize that this message wasn't for you today. 
that for you this coming year, it's time to prioritize the presence of God in your life. And in different ways, at different spaces, in different ways, different horizons, you need to prioritize the presence of God in your life. If that's you, I encourage you to respond to God right now. As, as the music plays, why don't you just lift up your hand to God right now. Let the height of your hands reflect how much you need God in your life. If you're here and you realize that you need a new heart and you want to experience a new horizon with God this coming year, why don't you lift up your hand to God right now and let the height of your hands reflect your, you just come to God just as you are and asking for His new heart in you. We just start talking to God right now, ask for His presence in your life, help you to prioritize His presence, just start talking to God right now. Thank you, Jesus. Just respond to God right now. We start talking to God right now. He loves you, He's listening, He's here with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Praise your name. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Thank you, Father. Why don't you pray this prayer with me right now and say, Father God, you know all the ways that I can sometimes be stuck and unable to move forward. I need your help and I ask for it today. I pray that in this new year, I would prioritize your presence in my life. That I would spend time with you. Protect my time with you. With my church. With you every day. Thank you that you're with me and that your presence is in my life. Leading me to a new heart and a new horizon. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you give God